Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello there. Folks, we have a lot to discuss. Let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on the social media hashtags, hashtag ODPH, join in the conversation. You can find all our social media links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Definitely want to interact with you because there's so much to cover this week, and we got to kick it off with recapping Dare I say the event that stole the weekend Mm -hmm, that collectively shut down the Internet a few times. Right. We we previewed it a little bit on last week's episode, but man, did they ever deliver. And we were talking about Disney D23, Uh the D23 Expo was this past weekend in Anaheim. Pad did a stellar job reviewing and covering this. So I'm going to pass the lead to him on this so pad break it down for us thank you well like we said on last week's episode uh if, if you haven't listened go back and listen or we give you a great preview and it's a good lead into this episode d23 is disney is a disney centric convention where you think of san diego comic-con new york comic-con emerald city comic-con any of the other great comic conventions or conventions whatever you want to call them out there there's a plethora of things i know the one year you and i went to new york comic-con uh they had the uh costume pieces from star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Another year they had them from the uh, Warcraft movie. It's a plethora of, of various uh, entertainment uh, entities. Whereas with Disney, it's specifically things Disney owned. Like, So you're not going to go there and see Star Trek. You're not going to go there and see you know some other thing. It's all Disney-centric properties. Uh, and it's a big weekend if you are a Disney fan or a fan of anything they own. We're going to be looking at two specific panels. Uh, one that took place on Friday and then one that took place for a long time on Saturday. Uh, so we'll start with the Friday one and that was a Disney Plus panel, and this was our kind of our first big, long look at what is coming for Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus obviously is the big streaming service that Disney is coming out with mm-hmm. in November. Dare I say, is probably going to be the best one for your money. The bargain deals they are offering with us, and there is so many projects coming out. We now have yeah. a little more information on that. Yep. Well, I shouldn't say a little more. We have a lot more information yeah. on that. You, you know, you often hear the phrase, oh, it's a shot across the bow at another company or another person. I would argue that this panel was not so much. And, and obviously, you know, the big competition isn't, you know, Hulu because, well, Disney owns that. Right. It's not so much Amazon Prime. It's not anything else. It's it's Netflix. Yeah, Netflix has been running the game for uh-huh. so long now. And, and Netflix has been, has been one of the competition because they were first out the gate. They kind of innovated the whole thing, and, and you know, they deserve their due. But this wasn't so much a shot across the bow as if you think of a ship, this was a shot across the front windows of where the ship is steered. Uh, because they so they came out the gate and uh, Disney Plus will launch with 500 films, 7,000 TV episodes, and content will be downloadable. Some Disney title, some titles on Disney Plus may include bonus features such as deleted scenes. Uh, Disney will house the entire Pixar and Disney animated library. That is huge. That's a long time because you think Disney animated films have been going since the 20s. Don't don't expect me to get the exact years. It's Snow White, you know. But they, I know they did say that uh, Steamboat Willie will be on there. So it goes. Wow, that Steamboat Willie's going to be on there. So if you haven't seen that, which I mean, it's it's a great little short film. It, it's fun to see. 
and uh, the entire Pixar library will be on there. So that's everything from Toy Story 1 up through the new stuff. And I know their shorts are going to be on there as well. And they're working on some new stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, for six ninety nine a month, you will get seven profiles to use. So if you're not quite sure what that is, if you're on Netflix and, and you, more than one person uses your Netflix, and I know I have this with my family, so that you can keep your streaming stuff separate and your recommendations separate, you can split it into profiles. Right now, I don't know the max Netflix has, if they even have one, but Disney is letting you get seven profiles. I want to say, and don't quote me on this, I want to say it's four. Okay. Uh, so Disney's giving you seven. Uh, you will be able to stream on four separate devices at once. The base Netflix package is two. You can do more, but it starts at, I want to say it's like four ninety nine or five ninety nine extra a month to add another two devices to be able to use. It's, it's like having another phone line. You have to yeah. add and you have to pay yeah. for that, but you're given a standard two to start with. Yep. And, uh, Disney Plus is going to give you four separate devices. So if you... You know, if you got any siblings or, or parents or, or cousins or friends or whatever that you're all on the one account, if you got four people streaming at once, you're good. I know this is an issue I run into sometimes with my brother and sister. You know, they we all use the same Netflix thing, and, and I might want to go watch something, you know, and, and go, oh, darn it, can't watch what I want to watch because, oh, my brother and sister use it, but won't run into this issue now. That is incredible. And I'm, I would imagine that if you wanted to go over the four there, they probably will have a deal like that that you'll just have to pay extra for. They're very mobile. We, we haven't got any confirmation about that. Right. And then you will also be able to have 4K streaming at no extra cost, which is something, which is something again, you have to pay extra for at Netflix. So you're getting all this, the seven profiles, uh, the ability to stream on four separate devices and 4K at no extra cost for six ninety nine a month. That is ridiculous. That it, is an amazing yeah, deal. Yeah, that's it's absolutely absurd. Uh, and then you will also get, and this is for you know folks my age and grew up in kind of I would say the golden era of the Disney Channel. Uh, you will get over five thousand episodes of Disney Channel shows and one hundred Disney Channel original movies will be available. That's I mean, like I said, if you're big into the Disney mm-hmm. Channel and all the programming they've done there, that's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's even Stevens, it's Lizzie McGuire, it you know anything Disney Channel has ever done or will ever do is going to be on there. Well, it's in, it's insane. That's incentive enough if you're yeah. if you're a very big fan of the Disney Channel, mm-hmm. like me. I I do like some of that stuff. Yeah. I'm not, but for me, that's not enough. For me to, well, I mean, obviously I'm going to get it the first oh, package because oh, yeah. of what we're going to get into. But like I say, if you're really into the Disney Channel and the, mm-hmm. all the original programming they've done. Well, and especially you think about it, like there are some great older films they've done. And, you know, Smart House immediately jumps to mind for me. It's, it's one of my favorite Disney Channel original movies they've done. But outside the the couple of years, they, they would show it in rotation back in the day. Like they never released it for DVD or, or even I don't even know if it's on iTunes or something like that so this is going to be like the first time for a lot of people they're like oh hey I haven't seen that movie in however many years I'm going to get the chance to go watch it because I'll be honest it's I to my knowledge it's not in rotation anymore at Disney Channel I, yeah, I don't think it is you know so that's kind of like the, the new details we have uh, with Disney Plus I do know that you, last week you brought up the possibility of a three year uh, thing they were might be offered yeah like a contract for three years that was only offered at the convention okay so that was a convention only thing they offered uh the general public will not be able to get a hold of that uh right now we're going to jump into some things that were announced and first off we're going to get with some uh 
Pixar things that were specifically announced. Uh, first off, we're going to go. They uh, discussed a little bit about the Monsters at Work series, which is, of course, a sequel to the Monsters Inc. franchise. Okay. Uh, ben Feldman and Aisha Tyler will voice two new characters. Ben will voice a character by the name of Tyler Tuskman, a Monsters Inc. employee and Monsters University alumni. So, tying in the two movies, very successful movies they've done. And Aisha Tyler will voice his mother. So that was something to look forward to there. I know they've announced it, and everyone's kind of excited for it because they are bringing back the two voice actors who play Mike and Sully from the original movies, the original two movies. They are voicing Mike and Sully uh, in this one. So that, that'll be definitely something to look forward to. Uh, then they announced a new series, a new short films, new series, whatever you want to call it, from the world of Toy Story, starring the character they introduced in the most recent uh, film, Forky. Now, this is a character, for, uh, minor spoilers, but I don't even think the movie's in theaters anymore. There's a character introduced in the film with the new little girl that uh, Woody and Buzz and all them are now playing with. They're now her toys. She's going into preschool, I want to say it is, and, and she makes a friend at school that is made out of a spork. Okay. So, and they she calls him Forky. So it's his new character in this whole thing. I really, if, I really encourage you to go see the film. They're doing a sh- uh, series of short films around that character called Forky Asks a Question. Uh, the, the, it involves basically, like the title says, Forky Asking a Question. They showed a little bit of the first film, which involved Forky asking Ham, the uh, pig, the pig piggy bank, mm-hmm. uh, about money. And then he learned and then he teaches Forky about money. Okay. So that's something fun to look forward to. Uh, then they jumped into some stuff from Marvel. Uh, Marvel announced that Avengers Endgame will begin streaming on Disney Plus on December 11th. All right. A little bit of time to wear. I'm glad I bought it before then because I'm, not sure, here, I'm not sure I could have waited until December to rewatch that movie. I'll admit I tried and I broke. Yeah. Uh, then they got into announcing a little bit more of the What If series. Uh, they said almost the entire cast of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be lending their voice to the What If series. Because this is going to be an animated series. Mm, not 100% sure. They, they, they really didn't get too much into details on that. I mean, all they really showed was a lot of uh, like uh, portraits you see like in like headshots that's what i'm looking for a lot of headshots of characters of of the actors and actresses behind this they really didn't get into too many details about it uh of course the thing i should note with this is they did show some stuff at the panel they did so show some stuff at the panel but not a lot got out it will be animated okay uh they they did tease a little bit about it uh, in terms of like they showed some quick glimpses but none of the footage has made it out because well Disney's good at this stuff, and I'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, they said there will be one episode of What If for each of the 23 films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so we already know how many episodes we're getting out of this. All right. That, now, that's an interesting concept they're going to try doing, because if they're really going to match one up for every single MCU movie mm-hmm. they've done. And, yeah. the, I mean, the concept of What If, if you're not familiar with it, is they take an instance where, okay, we'll just, just say Endgame. Yeah. That, let's say Thanos never loses the Infinity Gauntlet. What if Thanos came in with a helicopter? Right. What if... Oh, my God. You <laughs> I had went to, there. You had to go there. I went there. And they're taking like certain aspects like that. Like, what if Captain America never was de-thawed right. after you know, the I, events? I think the first episode is, is what if Peggy Carter got the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? Yeah, that's a perfect example, too. Yeah, yeah. So. And some of the ones they kind of, people got a quick glimpse of is uh, Steve Rogers in a suit the size of Ironmonger. Okay. Zombie Steve Rogers. We're going to go with zombie Marvel Universe? Apparently. Uh, Peggy Carter is Captain Britain. Okay. Oh, I like that. I like that one a lot. And then uh, this one I saw kind of conflicting reports, but I saw mostly people saying uh, this one. Uh, specifically about who it was, but this is the name I've seen most. T'Challa as Star-Lord. 
Okay. That, which would be very interesting. Well, that's a cool thing about what ifs is yeah. they, they take certain concepts and they just run with it. And mm-hmm. it's really up to who's creating. Like the comic book series has always been very interesting. Yep. Like because you'll just have somebody just really run away with their imagination and come up with something really cool. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I remember it's been rebooted a bunch of times. Yeah. And like yeah. they had one like, what if uh, the X-Men never uh, won Inferno in right. that storyline and just how crazy that got. Right. And, you know, what if uh, Peter Parker became the Punisher? Like, oh, God. Something like that. Like, that's the cool thing about this series, which especially doing an animated style. Yeah. You don't have to worry about budgets. You don't have to really worry about anything. It's just limited to what you can draw. And, and, put it, on and paper especially then. with as busy as some of these actors and actresses are. Oh, I mean, my God. I yeah. mean, Robert Downey Jr. alone, Chris Evans alone, like how, you know, it's Chris Hemsworth, as busy as those folks are. You, it doesn't require them to be tied down to a specific area to do. Like, they can be on set someplace filming a movie. All right, I'm done filming for the day. Let me just hop in a booth, record my lines, and send them off. That's the beauty of the technology today. And let me just put this out there right now. Uh-huh. We don't know the status of Tom Holland involving What If Now. Yeah. So... I don't have an answer for that, but before anybody starts tweeting about that, we'll, yeah. what's the status there? But we'll get into that a little later. Yep. Uh, so then we uh, got. They did show a trailer for the upcoming uh, final season of Agents of Shield. Okay. Now I did catch this. What yep. was your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, what? I liked it. I like how they're kind of teasing and kind of further explaining some things, but also keeping that same Agents of Shield style. Where I don't really quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, I was a little lost at it. We are going to talk, I guess, a, a somewhat spoiler about it because. We've covered it this past season on the show mm-hmm. numerous times. That now they are back in time. Yep. And where they're going with their direction for the season upcoming, it's anybody's guess. Which, if I remember the trailer right, there was a shot of they were in 1931. Yes. So I mean, it doesn't. They're not going to be sitting place in one point in time. It looks like they're going to be jumping around a little. Yeah, bit. I want to say this almost had a Legends of Tomorrow vibe to it. I, I yeah, I definitely got that vibe to it. I also get the feeling that. You know, the device they use to go back in time, something tells me it won't be working quite right when the season starts. And once a storyline is finished with whatever point in time they're in, they'll be they'll be constantly working on it to try and get back to where they need to go. But, oh, darn, it, it's flaring up. Where are we going to go? Ah, and then they end up someplace else. It's probably going to happen, and they're going to jump around the MCU a lot. Which yeah. I, I think the overall vibe I'm just going to guess at is mm-hmm. they're going to be the ones actually creating S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Which is going to be just like a weird coming of age circle, so to speak. Yeah. Like it, it's going to be different. It's going to be, but Shield will pull it off. I mean, oh, I have yeah. no doubt they're going to do that. Then we got some uh, casting news for the, some of the upcoming Disney Plus uh, Marvel shows. Emily Van Camp will be returning as Sharon Carter in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then Wyatt Russell has been cast as U.S. Agent in oh, the man. Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. I am not a U.S. Agent fan, yeah. but but it makes sense for the storyline. And they did show a, I guess you could call it a bit of concept art with the show. Uh, it features Bucky Barnes with short hair. Okay. No longer short hair. And Falcon in his costume. The cap costume. The cap costume. Uh, it, let me just say, it is comic accurate. That is awesome. Like I, This series, actually, I think is one of the most anticipated for me yeah. shows on yeah. Disney Plus. Like, I can't wait to see this. Yeah. And especially the direction they're going in. I know they added U.S. Agent. Mm-hmm. And if you know the history of him involving Captain America, not one of my favorite time periods they've they've written him in. Right. So, but it, it'll be a nice dynamic that's mm-hmm. added to the show. So I'm interested to see what they're going to go with this, if mm-hmm. it's going to be a literal battle for the shield. Right. And I'm just really hoping U.S. Agent doesn't go near it. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, up next, they t- did a little bit of uh, talking about WandaVision. Uh, they sh- did show some footage of P- 
past scenes with Scarlet Witch and Vision spliced uh, spliced with the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, it is being described as a half classic sitcom and half epic MCU adventure. All right. Now, I did see the promotional poster for uh-huh. this. And, yeah, this looks just... This is going to get trippy. Very trippy. I also... Going out on a limb, because the way this show... It, it, now, we haven't seen whatever they showed at the at the convention. The footage might be out there, but it is not officially released. The vibe, the thing I'm understanding from what I'm being read is that the, it's, it appears that the premise of the show is that it is set in the 1950s and it's something and it's like a dimension or, you know, whatever created by Wanda where Vision is still alive. And the, and the promotional art, if you if, if you look it up, is fantastic because it looks like 19. It, it looks like uh, the what was it the Saturday Evening Post yeah. sketches you've seen. It looks like something out of that. And if you the cool thing, if you look in the background, you've got a man and a woman sitting on the couch, and then there's the sun coming in and the shadows casted from them are on the back wall. The one you can see a hole missing in the guy's head for where there would be a, an infinity stone in his head. The other one is is a woman wearing a classic costume from the comics for a certain uh, Scarlet Witch. See, anytime the Scarlet Witch is using her powers and there's dimensions uh-huh. and time, this is going to get really trippy and really messy. And you want to talk trippy and messy? I can't take credit for this. I saw this online, but I love the idea. Uh, if we're already dealing with some sort of alternate dimension, whatever, where Vision is still alive, because Vision is dead as we currently know it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who's to say we won't see her brother Quicksilver in the show? That's a very b- good possibility. I mean, if she's already brought back one, quote unquote, brought back one person uh, that was dead that was important to her, what's to stop her from doing another one? And I have the feeling, too, and I, I have not seen anything official about this. Mm hmm. I have a feeling we're going to see Doctor Strange appear yeah. in this show. Yeah, I mean, because we know this show is going to directly lead into the events of the next Doctor Strange movie. Right. But I think that it's Wanda's messing around with timelines yeah. and using yeah. her powers that it's going to draw the attention of the Sorcerer Supreme. Right, and you got to figure with the events of Infinity War and Endgame, the kind of fabric of time and space is already fragile enough as it is. Oh, yeah. It, like, you get her going around and messing with things and pulling people out of where they shouldn't be and putting them in place. Like, it's just going to further damage it and just ruin things. I will say this, though. If this is a way to bring back certain characters that I thought were killed off too early, mm-hmm. that I, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with them bringing back Silver, uh, Quicksilver. I mean, I get why they killed him off. There was the whole, dip, you know, agreement with Fox, and we can use Scarlet Witch, and you guys can use Quicksilver, but you guys got to kill off Quicksilver in your film, and we got to kill off Scarlet Witch, and I get it, but, like, hey, they own everybody now. Let's just get him back. Yeah, this is a way to clean it up a little bit, yeah, sure. Yeah. And depending on where they want to go with that storyline, like I said, this one is going to be more intriguing mm-hmm. for me, but... It's going to be trippy. It's going to be mad trippy. Cat uh, Dennings will reprise her role as Darcy in WandaVision. Okay. Uh, Randall Park will reprise his role as Jimmy Woo for WandaVision. Okay. Uh, they showed a photo, side-by-side photo of uh, Tayona Paris as an aged-up Monica Rambeau in WandaVision. I have seen the photo. Uh, the folks at Marvel, well done. Uh, it is a very good aging up. Uh, Mac... Matt Shockman will direct uh, the episodes for WandaVision for Disney+. Plus. Uh, in case you haven't heard of him, he's directed episodes, various numbers of episodes for shows like The Boys. Okay. Billions. Game of Thrones. A, I want to say 40-some-odd episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The Good Wife, Heroes Reborn, and many, 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 many more. 
I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Hahn will join the cast of WandaVision with her. They didn't say who now. They didn't say who she's playing or what her character is. Her role is just described as, quote, the noisy neighbor. Hmm. Yeah. Probably. Or excuse me, the nosy neighbor. Probably. I, I don't even want to try guessing. I'm, yeah. I'm going to hold back on that. Uh, and then we get to the big shocking announcements that my jaw dropped when they announced this. Uh, Marvel is working on a She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight series separate. These are all separate. Uh, series for Disney Plus. Amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. We ran a Twitter poll actually on at OD Parlay Hour. So if you're not following, start following. And you can join in on that poll. Moon Knight 1 is the most anticipated show because oh, yeah. I didn't want to put all three because, I mean, that's too easy of an answer. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I love this idea. I mean, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, arguably one of the biggest heroes that Marvel has come up with in the past yeah. you know, years. I, and for. People who are not familiar, you if you like Spider-Man and like Miles Morales mm-hmm. and Kamala Khan is definitely a hero in her own right in that same kind of vein. Like you, yeah. you instantly will like get captivated and just become a fan instantly. And before anyone could even ask the question, at some point, Feige did confirm Ms. Marvel will show up in films. Good. At, at some point, didn't Good. say when, didn't say who, didn't say what movie, but she will be in the films. Absolutely, just the character is is so well done mm-hmm. in in the comics. And like I say, you you just come just become a fan instantly. Just how how well it's been done in the comics that yeah. you want to see her on screen. And the fact that now we have this ability to have characters actually be on Disney Plus and actually uh-huh. be in movies. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a nice thing, and yeah. I think they just nowhere but the sky is up for this. Oh, one, absolutely. So. I mean, it's one of those things that it's going to be great to watch because as good as the Marvel Netflix shows were, it was you know an entirely separate division of Marvel Studios that was working on those shows. And, and the Marvel film folks were off doing the movies. Well, now with them being on Disney Plus and it's all one house, it's it's the same folks who work on the films are going to be working on the TV shows. So there's that cohesion that like don't get me wrong. As much as I wanted to see Daredevil and all those other Marvel show character Marvel Netflix characters end up on the big screen, wasn't ever going to happen. Right. I mean, this is one of the cool things that you get to see about it. And like I said, for a character like Miss Marvel, who if you're not familiar with, this is straight from Wikipedia. Kamala Khan is a teenage Pakistani-American from Jersey City, New Jersey, with shape-shifting abilities, who discovers that she has inhuman genes after the Inhumanity storyline and assumes mm-hmm. the mantle of Miss Marvel after Carol Danvers, her idol, becomes Captain Marvel. Right. So, and and like I said, she is so well done in the comics, too. Like, if you haven't picked up a Miss Marvel comic featuring Kamala Khan in it, mm-hmm. you need to pick it up. It's so well done. And then, obviously, She-Hulk, the cousin of Bruce Banner, who takes a blood transfusion and then becomes... Her own version of the Hulk. Okay. Just a little less rage issues per sure, se, but sure. still definitely different persona and where they're going to go with this because she does have a legal background. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is going to be maybe a courtroom type drama. That'd be so interesting. It would be a definitely a different take. It's going to be a fun show. And then Moon Knight, who has a very big cult following. Mm-hmm. Basically, the easiest way to describe him is he's Batman with split personalities <laughs> and he is always been an interesting character he's always like i say he's always been a batman to me oh, almost like a batman ripoff like right i'm trying to find a nicer way to say it but well, it's, it's like I, I saw a comic panel over the weekend that kind of like perfectly encapsulates him it's you know somebody asked well, why are you wearing white people will see you coming he goes exactly yeah he is a very interesting character and how he's been written more or less over the past few years right they have definitely taken him in some different directions, very violent and mm-hmm. very yeah. very over the top. Yeah. But, but it just adds to his persona that 
even though he has these, he thinks he has these powers from the the moon gods, and, right? And it's just it's a very interesting background with him. It's yeah. not like he sees his parents get killed and decides to strike fear in the hearts of villains. Like I say, he has he believes in an Egyptian god, and and that gives him his powers, and mm-hmm. it literally drives him nuts. And he is somebody that, like I said, he has split personalities. So you really don't know which character you're going to deal with and what version you are and just how extreme that character is going to get. And I know a lot of people are asking, would this be a rated R show? Mm, I'm going to say... If it's going to be on Disney Plus, no. No, I'm going to say it's going to teeter. It it will be a very walk in a thin line. Because Disney has made that uh, clear from the outset when they first announced Disney Plus is that they will not be putting on putting out any r-rated material on disney plus if they do it's going to end up on hulu yeah so this could be very interesting to see how they play this character yeah and like i said the easiest way to describe him is he's batman with split personalities but pretty much he can be very well done and like i said over recent years he has developed a very strong and vocal following i know our buddies over at three fat nerds are ecstatic about seeing this show oh there's a lot of people excited oh yeah well definitely because i never thought that this would happen like we are in a very weird age yeah that we're having a moon knight tv show yeah and we've had a guardians of the galaxy film yep ant-man franchise Mm -hmm. and we're gonna have the eternals too Uh uh-huh but we'll get into that a little later. Yep. We're going to take a quick break, though, and let you kind of digest all that information from D23 Expo right now. And we are going to come back and still, there's so much more to talk about it. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation. What have you heard so far from D23 that is you really excited about the Marvel Disney Plus shows? Which ones are you really amped up to hear about and see more? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. How does getting paid just for listening to podcasts sound? PodCoin literally does that. How does this work? All you have to do is download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android. Once you do that, start listening to your favorite podcasts and start earning PodCoins. You can turn PodCoins in for gift cards to retailers like Starbucks and Amazon, or even donate to charity, all for just listening to podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now and use the code ODPHPOD, that's O-D-P-H-P-O-D, to get 300 PodCoins when you sign up. For more info, check out podcoin.com. Podcoin, get paid for just hitting play. Coming back for segment number two of this edition of the ODPH podcast, we're still talking Disney D23 Expo. Mm-hmm. There's so much to talk about. We gave you last segment so much, and we're still, we could go fully on about the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Yeah. But there's so much more that was going on this weekend. So much good stuff. Pat, break it down. So, next up in the Disney Plus panel, we had a uh, trailer for a show coming uh, on November 12th, the day the sh- service launches, called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which stars the one and only Jeff Goldblum. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh, my God. This show looks incredible. You can find the uh, trailer for it on YouTube, specifically on the right now. It's on the National Geographic YouTube channel. Uh, It's going to be 12 episodes long, and it just looks like essentially they went to Jeff Goldblum and go at here's a bunch of money. Make a show. Go go explore what you want to do. Yeah, and it's just the world through his eyes yeah. and just how unique of a vision. Like he said, like he says in the trailer, you know, he's very fascinated by shoes and ice cream and denim and jewelry and tattoos. So it's him exploring all of those things. Like there's one shot where it looks like he's running a ice cream truck in the middle of Los Angeles or someplace. So how cool would that to be to walk up to an ice cream truck? Oh hey, I feel like some ice cream. Oh my god, it's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, how wild is that? You know, and then he said, and then in the trailer he says occasionally, yeah, he he goes and looks at something that interests him. Like there's a shot of him playing basketball on a court with a with a bunch of guys it, it just looks incredible 
Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out too. Yeah. I mean, it just it's something different, especially with we know we talk about Pixar and we mm-hmm. talked about Marvel with you know Nat Geo now being under the umbrella. Yeah, and this is the first show coming out. Yeah, definitely, definitely interested. Yeah. Uh, after that was a little bit of a little interesting something from the Muppets. Of course, Disney does own the Muppets. Uh, Muppets Studio was announced. Uh, the Muppets Studio announced Muppets Now for Disney Plus. Not much is known about the show. My guess is it might be a variety show like they they used to do uh, back in the day. You know, it might be something like that. The only thing that was really put out about it was a funny, uh, quote unquote, letter from Kermit. You can find it on the Muppets Twitter account where anything that would give away any potential details about what is in the show has been redacted almost like a government like letter or, or files from the government or something like that. So that, it's a funny read if you want to dig it up. Ups, up, what's that? No, I was going to say that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Especially they just came out with a yeah. Muppet show. Right. That didn't do so well and then they canceled it. Yeah. They, yeah. So the fact they're going for round two again. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's an yeah. audience for yeah. it. It's just kind of very interesting to see that it's actually happening like mm-hmm. that. So uh, up next was the my favorite part of the panel Star Wars. Uh, they started off with a Marvel. They showed off a Marvel style timeline. So if you think of when they uh, back at San Diego Comic Con, where they sh- showed off their Phase Four and it was when stuff was taking place in in terms of like what year was coming out. They showed off something very similar, but it was a timeline where with when the films and TV series take place. Which was, was this was very interesting for me as a fan because yes, in the books they've always had the, that little timeline where you fill stuff in, but they've never like ev- they've never come right out and go it starts here and ends here and it shows everything with all the films and and you know shows like the clone wars and and the rebels and and resistance and everything it it was cool to see that finally get detailed of like because i know that was one of the things when rebels was on tv is like all right how long does this take place like we know we're getting like it it ends very close to episode one a new hope but according to the timeline it ends right as a new hope's taking place but so that was very cool to see uh you know it was also cool to see that they've they've kind of come up with a term or phrase to kind of define or term the ages that or the times it takes place. They're borrowing from the current one shot, uh, comic series they've been doing where age of okay you know so the prequel era is was titled age of republic like in the comics uh the original trilogy era was titled age of rebellion as in the comics and then they've got age of resistance for the newer films much like the comics so that was cool to finally see oh we have something else to call it other than prequel sequel original yeah that's a very cool yeah thing to set up yeah uh first big announcement they came out with is star wars the clone wars season seven will come out february 2020 Wow. I am so beyond excited for this. Clone Wars has always been one of those shows I really liked ever since it started out way back when on Cartoon Network. You know, I went and saw the movie in theaters. The movie was a little hokey, a little weird, you know, but it it ended up in the animation started off a little rough and a little blocking, but it turned into one of the best visual shows I've ever seen. It's going to be it's going to be a little bittersweet for season seven, though, because the uh, executive producer, Dave Filoni, who, you know, came over from working on Avatar, the last airbender on Nickelodeon, a great show in and of its own right to work on another phenomenal show like Clone Wars and, and really learn under George Lucas. Uh, he did say that this will be the definitive end of the Clone Wars, that, yes, there are more stories to tell, but he feels that the, the show needs to have a bit of closure and season seven is going to be it. That doesn't mean I'm not holding out for more. I was going to say, how are you feeling about that? You know, bittersweet. But at the same time, we've gotten so many stories over the years that like I never would have imagined in, in so many great like without the Clone Wars, Darth Maul wouldn't be alive. 
Okay. Like, like the reason Darth Maul is alive in past episode one is because of the Clone Wars. Like, they came up with that idea. You, you know, there's there's great series, there's great arcs like uh, the Mortis arc, which is one of the best Star Wars stories of all time. Like when Disney Plus launches and Clone Wars will be on Disney Plus. Uh, I forget what season it's in. I'd have to dig it up. But the Mortis arc is hands down some of the best storytelling they've done in Star Wars history. Like. It's going to be incredible. Uh, they talked a little about about the upcoming series they've got. Uh, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk, uh, of course, who uh, were in Rogue One. Alan Tudyk playing K2SO and Diego Luna being in there as well uh, for the Cassian Andor TV series. Right on. Uh, they didn't really get into too much about it because they haven't started filming it. They said filming begins in 2020. Uh, they almost wanted to give it a title for other than just Cassian Andor, but they said mm, it's a mystery for another day. Yeah, see, it's it's really interesting that they're playing off the Rogue One mythos and, mm-hmm. and kind of digging into that a little bit. Yeah, I, but Rogue One I thought was great. So oh yeah, I I, oh, yeah. I don't struggle with them adding anything no. tying into that universe. No, there. not at all. Uh, and then they find we finally, like we predicted, got a trailer for the Mandalorian. Holy crap! This oh, looked amazing. Oh, it looked very high budget. Like it looks awesome. I mean, we got a few things confirmed. Uh, it looks like it is taking place for part, if not most, on Tatooine. Yeah, uh, it, it looks incredible. Like, I just can't wait to see what they do and where they go with this, because it is set uh, seven or eight years after Return of the Jedi. So things are kind of in flux. The galaxy is kind of in a weird place. So it'll be definitely interesting to see where they go with that. I'm super excited for it. Everything about it just looked incredible. Mm-hmm. The thing what? I the thing I do got to note, though, is there's a droid in the trailer that is piling around with the Mandalorian, the title, the main character. A lot of people are thinking it's IG-88, the bounty hunter from the films. It's not. If, from what I've read online, it is IG-11, which is an entirely different character, uh, voiced by Taika Waititi. Oh. Uh-huh. Amazing. Yeah. Not that I wasn't already like digging the show enough, but yeah. the fact he's the voice. And there, there's a funny, speaking of Taika Waititi. So good. Slight side note, there's a funny video on Twitter where Taika Waititi was doing an interview on the red carpet for, for with Variety for Disney 23, and somebody, I, I couldn't tell who it was, comes up behind him and does like the assassin snap the neck, mm. and he plays along with it and drops down to the floor, and, and the woman interviewing him from Variety goes, oh no, no, they killed him. Like they're playing, it's, it's a great moment. Yeah, everything about this show so far, oh, the so casting good. has looked great. I mean, yeah, I mean the casting's insane. Like you got Taika Waititi playing in there, and then you've also got uh, Carl Weathers is in yes. the show. You know, you've got that going on. You've got Werner Herzog is in the film is in the show. Gina Carano, yes, is in the is in it as well. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito, Gustavo Fring from Breaking Bad is in the show. I mean, my God! And then there was an announcement of another character or uh-huh. cast member being added. One Agent May. Uh huh. Ming Na Wen was officially announced as being in the Mandalorian, so that is going to be incredible. I do have a bit of bad news for you, Ken. What's up? Uh, John Favreau did do an interview. Boba Fett will not be in the mandalorian at least this season at least this season at least this season see that's the thing as long as they can retcon the the egregious events of return of the jedi and bring boba back yeah i'm okay with it right if somebody does it'll be okay because the thing of it is is don't get me wrong i'd like to see boba alive too but as we know he's currently getting digested in the sarlacc on tatooine so For, for now for now but so and then we got the news that kind of the worst kept secret in all of hollywood ewan mcgregor came out on stage uh, we kind of predicted that yeah, the last week. Yeah, I mean, it was already, it had been announced and or semi-announced or leaked, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, was on stage and, and said, oh, we have one more uh, alumni to bring out on stage. And then Duel of the Fates from uh, The Phantom Menace started playing, and everyone started freaking out. And out comes Ewan McGregor. 
and he goes up there and he has a mic and he goes, Kathleen, can you ask me if I'm going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? And the people are freaking out. Like from what I read from folks who were in the room, that this was the loudest moment of the panel bar none. And Kathleen goes, Ewan, are you going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? I will laugh till he said no. There's a pause and he says, looks at the crowd and goes, yes. And the roof blew off of the place. Obviously, with McGregor coming back for that character, and mm-hmm. when you talk about Star Wars, yep. Obi-Wan is one of the sacred characters that mm-hmm. this is going to be very uncharted water, but yeah. but I I have to say, between this and The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. I don't know which one I'm more excited for. Cause yeah, the Mandalorian, for, me, for me, it's uh, Obi-Wan. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how many episodes this is going to be. Right. And then let alone what story are they going to do. Right. Because I'm not saying this isn't in the same vein as Watchmen, because mm-hmm. it isn't. But this is one of those characters that you can't bring back, and especially bring back you know Ian McGregor to play him, right? And fall flat on your face. Not mm-hmm. saying it's going to happen, but right. this is one that you really got to nail out of the park. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I yeah. mean they they did announce that uh, filming starts in 2020, and that the scripts are already done. So, you know, the scripts are already done. They're going to start filming in 2020. It's going to be incredible. I mean, the, the wild thing is, and somebody pointed this out on Twitter, Ewan has always not been the right exact age for Obi-Wan Kenobi at that point in the story. But darn it, he's close. Like, he's like a year or two off on the high side from what Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the story. So, at this point in the story, Obi-Wan Kenobi is supposed to be like 45, 46 mm-hmm. or something like that. Ewan McGregor's like 48, 49. Like, it's scary how close he is, you know. And so after that, they showed an updated timeline with when the new shows are going to take place. Uh, The Obi-Wan Kenobi show will be taking place in the middle of the solo when the solo film takes place, uh, which spanned a couple of years. The Cassian Andor TV series will be taking place right in the middle of where uh, Star Wars Rebels takes place. So, of course, between episodes three and four. Uh, And then uh, The Mandalorian, like I said, will be taking place uh, seven or eight years after uh, Return of the Jedi. Very interesting news and very exciting news. Yeah, I would say it's wild to see. I mean, just to finally get an Obi Wan Kenobi series is going is awesome. Like I can't get excited enough for that. Yeah, this has been so long rumored. I know there was talking about a spinoff movie. Yeah, but now that you're doing it on Disney Plus, I think is a good move too. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the movie wouldn't have done well at the box office because right. I think it would. I, I think when you have a character like that, you're going to definitely sell tickets. I mean, Solo oh, yeah. Solo did. When they did, you know, the prequel there. Yeah. So this one obviously is is highly anticipated for the right reasons. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think putting it on Disney Plus to really see how it's going to play out is going to be a really cool thing to do. Right. So I'm like, I, I'm already sold on the Mandalorian. So oh God, yeah. Like for me, that that's that is my show. Yeah. Obi Wan is going to be good, but for me, the Mandalorian and that thing delivered on the trailer thus far. Mm-hmm. So that cl- uh, concluded the Disney Plus panel on Friday. But there was so much that happened on Saturday. We're actually going to take another break. Mm-hmm. Come back and close out about Disney D23 Expo recap. Definitely hit us up on the social media hashtags, hashtag ODPH, join in that conversation. Definitely want to hear your thoughts. We've given you so much already, and we still have more to go. You are listening to the ODPH. What's up, nerds? I'm Rich. And I'm Derek. And we are two-thirds of the Three Fat Nerds podcast, but we'd like to take a minute of your time to kind of tell you what we do. Uh, So we have two shows on one channel every week. Derek, what's our first show? 
Every Monday night, we record Three Fat Nerds. That's our flagship show where we talk about everything, movies, comic books, and gaming. And then, of course, every Thursday evening, we record 3FNW, which is Three Fat Nerds Wrestling. And there, we talk about pro wrestling. We do reviews of pay-per-views and talk about shows and the news and give our opinions on everything pro wrestling. You can find our podcast by searching Three Fat Nerds in any podcast provider, and bam, we're right there, and you can go ahead and subscribe. Or you can visit our website, 8122productions.com, and you can stream and download from there, as well as check out other things we have going on. Now, we're going to send it back over to Ken M and the ODPH. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH, and we are still talking D23 Expo mm-hmm. recap. There was so much that happened. Yeah. I mean, we were talking the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Yep. We were talking little Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But that was all just from Friday. This is now Saturday, yep. and Saturday was when the big panels were happening. I'll say they, they, they pulled out the big, heavy, you know, 100 caliber machine guns for this panel, and they were not kidding around. Uh, Ken, uh, how familiar are you with Marvel's policy? of attending one of their panels, their main stage panels. I have been to quite a few at New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. and they do not mess around there. They no. give you fair warning, no cell phones, no laptops. Otherwise, they're taking the phones, or they're telling yeah. you to shut down, and they will escort you out of the panels. Yeah, there was one year we were at a panel in New York Comic Con where they were going to show a, like a brief clip from uh, the second season of Agent Carter that was coming out later that fall or early next year, the year after. And it was just a brief clip. And then it was a, a, a thing from the cast. Hey, sorry, we couldn't be there. Yada, yada. There was a person a couple rows in front of us that was press for a website or, or news organization or something and had his laptop out and was taking notes of what was said and what was shown and yada, yada. And the footage started and we are very familiar and some of our listeners might be very familiar with the suits at Marvel. Yes. That they're walking around in, in suit tie and they look like shield agents they look like shield agents and they're watching everyone like hawks and mm-hmm. the and the footage started for from agent carter and the person still had their laptop open and the suit saw it and goes up to him and goes shut the laptop the person showed their badge and goes oh but i'm press i don't care shut the laptop yeah they do not mess around yeah. and, and they give you fair warning uh-huh. if they catch you with it you deal with the consequences and it is not yeah. fun Especially if you if you can't come back, yeah, and your badges, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they employed very much of the same uh, tactics with this panel. It is well documented on Twitter that folks who went into this panel had to put their phone into a sealed bag, and if they broke the seal on said bag and took their phone out, they would be escorted out of the building. So you knew I you knew going into this with that in mind, they're like, oh my lord, what are they showing? Uh, they came out and they weren't ready to unveil their Fox slate. So the stuff's coming from Fox, but they weren't ready to show anything off from Fox Studios. Right. So nothing really major there. So nothing from Avatar two or three or seventeen or eighteen, you know. But the first sub, uh, movie up was the Rise of Skywalker. Of course, the much anticipated final chapter in the Skywalker saga. Yeah, what can you say about this other than other than Avengers event, Endgame, mm-hmm. most anticipated film of the year? Yeah. And definitely a lot of hype behind it. Yeah. They did release the photo or poster of it, rather. Yeah. So yeah. What, what was your thoughts on that, Pat? Because this was a highly discussed topic on Twitter. You know, I like the fo- I like the poster. I, I thought it was funny that everyone was making high ground jokes uh, when it came to Kylo Ren. Uh, I got to admit, the, the Palpatine Sidious thing threw me off. And I'm like, it just looks weird. It looks odd. But then somebody figured out that it's a reference shot from one of the uh, action figures. 
of the Emperor. So that, if you're sitting here going, why does it look so weird? That doesn't look anything like him. Well, it's not Ian McDiarmid as the Emperor. It's a reference shot from a toy, which why they went that route, I don't know. But it's very good. I mean, it's not the traditional Star Wars poster we're used to where there is just a smattering of stuff going on on the on the poster. It's simplistic. It makes a great phone or uh, desktop background if you can find one online. Yeah, we actually got into some discussion on, on our social media about this. So a shout out to Colby Mack, too. He was chiming in. Uh, was not happy with the poster. And, sure. I, and I could understand why. Sure. And I, I posted this on our Instagram page, too. I, I said it looks very simple, and, mm-hmm. and you expect with Star Wars to be, like, epic and, right. and major. This one just, I don't know, it just, it, it, I could understand why people yeah. were kind of, like, yeah, I under, mean, underwhelmed about it. I mean, to me, it made sense, though, because it's like, okay, you know what you're getting with this. Yeah. Like, you're getting the end of the Skywalker saga. What more do we need to show you other than Rey and Kylo fighting? Yeah. You know, uh, they brought out the entire cast on stage. Uh, Carrie Russell, who is in the film, new to the film this year, described her character as being, quote, very cool and a little bit shady. She's kind of a fr- uh, criminal, criminal, excuse me, and an old friend of Poe's. Uh, Billy D was said, uh, Lando has never left me. I've all I've been here all these 40 years and it's been a very special experience for me. Close quote. I got to admit the favorite thing about Saturday, wasn't it, was also the stuff going on at this panel. But then Billy D's Twitter account. Holy crap. The people he ran into in the photos he got. Yeah, uh, he ran into the rock. He ran into uh, he ran into Chris Pratt. I mean, he just ran into so many cool actors. It, it was cool to see the. You know, a, a legend like Billy D. Williams, who's as you know as cool as they can be, with some of the modern big name actors. Yeah, definitely, it was a cool thing to watch. Yeah, J.J. Abrams expressed that Carrie Fisher's Leia is the heart of the story. Uh, they showed the poster, like we mentioned, and then they showed a little bit of footage, which has since come out, uh, which is a full blown trailer. It's a very cool trailer, which you can find on online. It's uh, as we record, number one trending on uh, YouTube. It's kind of a it's a fun look back, almost like a super trailer type thing of all the films. You know, they start with the original movies, and they go, and then they switch to the prequel movies, and before they jump to the uh, newer movies, and then they switch to some new footage. I mean, we see uh, Finn, Poe, and Chewie, and Ray with uh, C-3PO on a planet that looks very similar to some of the Mad Max-like shots we saw in the last trailer, mm. but there's more people there. You know, there's a shot of uh, Leia training uh, Leia in a forest, which I'm going to go out on a limb just based off of what we see in the background behind Leia. Now, the thing we should reiterate this is unused footage from episode seven. Right. They, they unfortunately, Carrie Fisher passed away before they were able to even start filming uh, The Rise of Skywalker, but they had enough footage left over and permission from her family to use the unused footage from The Force Awakens for this film. Uh, based off of what it looks like, that it, the scenery behind Leia, there's a shot later in the trailer of Rey throwing her lightsaber through a tree and kind of like cutting the tree in half and then pulling it back to her. I'm going to go out on a limb and say she's training or giving uh, Ray some training. I would say two. I mean, I'm not sure exactly where. Right. Because I don't want to say it's Yoda's uh, planet there. Right. Yeah. No, it looks a little, it's a little too bright to be Yoda's planet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it it doesn't look like it, but it does look like the kind of green scenery there Mm -hmm. that they're in like a forest or or some kind of place like that. Yeah. And then you get to a cool shot that looks like it's getting ready for battle where you've got the the resistance fighters that come out of hyperspace and you get some Y wings and A wings, which we haven't seen in the new trailers, you know, and some B wings and all other stuff like that. And then you get probably for me the coolest shot of the entire trailer where it is just endless row on row on row of stuff. 
Star Destroyers. Yeah, this one is definitely to implicate the battle that is coming. Uh-huh. They, they did a heck of a job of just even just a brief glimpse of that. Right. And I love how they show Finn's reaction to it. Yeah, he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, like the moment has sunk in. And yeah. I mean, it could be a different part of the movie, but right. still, I, 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 yeah. I love how they edited this trailer. I mean, you, lo- you look at the rebel forces that are jumping out of hyperspace compared to the Star Destroyers, and they're hilariously outnumbered. Like, you don't know how they're going to do it. Then you get to probably the second most talked about shot of the entire trailer where C-3PO is sitting in a chair or something and his eyes are red. Why, I don't know. Uh, we should note he has a golden arm again. His arm isn't red anymore. Hmm. Like, I know a lot of people are kind of wondering why his arm was red. Uh, if you want to know why his arm is red, read one of the comics that came out when they first started doing the Star Wars comics. Uh, then you get a shot of a laser beam firing onto the ground. Not quite sure where it's coming from. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not another Death Star. It's not another planet killer. They wouldn't do that for the, what would this be, the fourth time now? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with it's probably some weapon on a Star Destroyer or something like that. It'll, it'll be something interesting to see. Uh, we go through, and there's a shot of, there, we get a shot of Ray and Kylo fighting on a ship over some waters. I'm going to guess, because I'm just I'm sitting here with the, the shot paused. It looks like the same ocean, possibly, that we saw from the last trailer, where it's the piece of the Death Star in the water so that looks very interesting we get the voice of uh emperor palpatine sidious saying your journey is is almost at its end or something to that effect and then we get to the most talked about moment of the trailer yeah yeah you see ray in a sith like robe with two red lightsabers where she kind of just pops out and she's holding them she flips it like a switchblade and it's a double bladed red lightsaber and a lot of people are freaking out about this but in my unofficial guess that's not actually happening and by that i mean it's a vision or it's some sort of dream that is actually taking place because you think about it there if if ray were to turn evil legitimately that is one of the biggest twists they could put in the film like she's a from the middle of nowhere she trains with luke and she watches luke die and she saves her friends and then she turns evil that to me is something that you wouldn't put in the second trailer, that's 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 almost like if we went back in time and and put the whole "I am your father" like line in uh, in one of the Empire Strikes Back trailers. That's a twist you don't put in the trailer. That's just something you put in there to get the internet talking and get people excited. To me, because we know Sidious is going to be Emperor Palpatine is going to be in this film in some capacity. We don't know what because he's his voice has been heard twice, but we've yet to see the man. My guess is that it's it's some form of influence he's using over Kylo Ren to exploit him to his own uh, mischievous ends. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's very captivating. Yeah. And I think that'll be the word of the episode for today, mm-hmm. too. I mean, I am definitely hooked on it. And yeah. I've, been, I've watched the trailer now uh, as we've been recording here. This is just one of those, like, it's polarizing because you want to think, okay, Ray couldn't turn evil. Right. And is supposed to be the protagonist. And if she does, does that mean Kylo, you know, embraces the mm-hmm. Force? I mean, and for that kind of reveal for the trailer, I mean, they didn't need a mic drop moment like it. But right. like I said, I'm very, like, intrigued by it. And, I, like, I need to watch it a couple more times. Yeah. Because, like you touched upon, Pat, why would they give away that yeah, yeah. in the trailer? It, it's almost like if they went and put the moment where Kylo kills uh, Supreme Leader Snoke in the last one in the middle of a trailer. Yeah. You, like, why would you do that? Yeah, you wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't. It, it's it's just misdirection. It's a red herring. It's it's something to get people excited and talking, and it's working. Smoke and mirrors. I mean, but like I, mean, I said, 
they showed the footage on Saturday and people weren't able to record it, but they were able to take down some notes and some descriptions. And that description hit the web almost as soon as they were done showing the footage. And it was in all of Twitter broke just because, oh, my God, what we just saw. Right. Obviously, this is the most anticipated movie of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, you can argue with Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And like I said, the trailer, very captivating, especially like when they show the lineage. And yeah, especially if you're not like a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. You you embrace enough of it that you go, okay, I get why this is a big deal. Yeah. And just the history has gone through. Yeah. And just how much that franchise has revolutionized film. Mm-hmm. I, I would mean, say, by and large, digital film projectors are in theaters, thanks in large part to George Lucas. Yeah. Like, you go back in the history, it's just one of those things. It's wild. Uh, up next, we had some stuff from Marvel, because as you predicted, we did have some new announcements from Marvel that were not announced at San Diego Comic-Con. I had a feeling about this. Yeah. Uh, first off, Ryan Cogler, who was the director of Black Panther 1, uh, came out and said he has finished a treatment of the screenplay for Black Panther 2. No, that will not be the final title, but that's just what he's calling it right now. Uh, and it will be released on May 6th, 2022. All right. Any predictions about this film? Uh, I have the I have no predictions personally, but the thing I keep seeing getting thrown out there is Namor. I do too. And the, the, my prediction, if you know the comics, I think they're going to try doing a version of Doom War, mm-hmm. but not with Doom, but with Namor. Sure. And you, I don't know exactly how this is. I could see this becoming like a political espionage yeah. type type yeah type film, like yeah. something different. Because the one thing about Black Panther. The first one, it was such a different visual experience. Yeah, from everything we've seen from the MCU. It, yeah, it, and like I say, it didn't feel like I say. I know it brings this up a lot of times. Like Thor, um, Ragnarok, and Guardians of the Galaxy felt like the same movie. Sure, sure. And the one thing I want to see with this new phase is I want to see each film stand out on their own. Yeah, and, and really do it. And yeah, I Black Panther did such an incredible job. And I mean, Michael B. Jordan was so great as Killmonger. Obviously, he's not going to be back unless, of course, Scarlet Witch could do everybody a favor and resurrect him. Mm-hmm. And you know, whatever she's doing in WandaVision, throwing that out there. Yeah. But wh- however, it's going to pull off, and especially if this is Namor. Like I said, this would be such a different take for Marvel to do mm-hmm. and make it a political thriller. Oh, the pol- I, you know, I love the idea of a political thriller just because what we saw from the end of Avengers Endgame, they have a embassy set up in New York. Yeah. Like they are, you can't avoid, you can't go back to the whole, oh, we're just a hidden country that nobody has ever heard of except for some superhero. No, like I would love to see a political thriller or, or something in the realm of like, not necessarily like a house of cards type thing, but like an action political thriller. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like espionage and, and, you know, underhanded deals and, and stuff like that. Well, that's what I want to definitely see with this, especially with Namor being heavily rumored to now finally be joining the MCU. Which, I mean, as we sit here recording in, you know, the latter half of 2019, we still don't know what the who owns the rights to that. That's all. Ever since Marvel started films way back in, in 2008, you know, we're still sitting here going, yeah, we still don't know who has the rights to Namor. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting mysteries yeah. of the MCU. And it's one that I'm quite honestly, and this might be deliberate on their end, I'm surprised that Kevin Feige hasn't ever come out and said he's ours or no, he's not ours. I think they've just been waiting for the right time to introduce the character. It could be. Because they have so many characters to to really develop. Yeah. And Namor is a very tricky one. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think especially with him being Marvel's version of Aquaman. Yeah. To bring him to the big screen. Yeah. You have to have the right story mm-hmm. and you have to tell it the right way to connect. Aquaman being successful for DC, I think showed them that they could do right. an underwater movie. Yeah. And make it, you know, profitable 
and a mainstream audience would would get into it. Yeah. And Namor is such a fascinating character. Oh yeah. That I think a political thriller with him and Black Panther I think would be incredible. Wakanda sure. versus Atlantis. Sure. Oh man, sign well, me up. Yeah. Sign me up. Yep. After that, uh, they did talked a little about about uh, the upcoming film Eternals. Uh, they brought out the entire cast: uh, Richard Madden, Lauren Ridlo- Ridloff, Kum- Kumal Nanjiani, uh, Brian Tyree, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, uh, Leah McHugh. Don Lee and Angelina Jolie, who got a huge ovation. Yeah. Uh, they then showed off. I know they showed off kind of like sketch artists, sketch art, concept art for what their characters would look like in their costumes. Uh, and they, I think they even did like test photos of what they would look like in their suits. Uh, Kumail looks absolutely ripped. My God. Yeah. It, it's going to be insane to see. They also brought out some new characters. Uh, Barry Keoghan will be playing Druig. And then Gemma Chan will be playing Cersei. Okay. See, I originally thought Angelina Jolie was going to be playing Cersei, so mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm completely okay with Gemma playing her. Yeah. And it's very interesting, too, which I will let you get into the other casting with this, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go on a little tangent with that. Yeah. Um, so the next bit of casting first got announced or leaked on Friday that this actor would be joining the MCU, but it wasn't known in what film or what role. Uh, so speculation obviously started abounding rapidly, but we didn't have to wait long to find out. Uh, that would be one Kit Harrington, a.k.a. Jon Snow from Game, from Game of Thrones. The King of the North has now joined the MCU. He'll join the MCU, and he's playing Dane Whitman, a.k.a. Black Knight. Okay, now this is very interesting for me because as far as I can remember, and please correct me on hashtag ODPH and mm-hmm. social media if I'm wrong, the Black Knight has had nothing to do with the Eternals. Right. The Black Knight has always been an Avenger, and obviously he deals a lot with the Ebony Blade, and it, it ties back to like the King Arthur sure. uh, lineage. And there is, a, if I'm not mistaken, there was like a romance between Cersei and the Black Knight mm-hmm. in Avengers, because at one point they both were Avengers yeah. um, in like the late 80s, early 90s. Sure. So there is some ties there, which I guess maybe if they're going to try telling that story... Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just really kind of puzzled. They're they're putting the Black Knight in there. I honestly thought Kit Haring was going to get announced. Uh, Kit Harrington was going to get announced as Wolverine, which would have made perfect sense yeah. to me. Yeah. But you know, Marvel is going to do this, and like I say, I think this one, and I've talked about this a few times, and I'll keep saying it again. I think this movie is going to be one of the biggest question marks for the MCU phase. Yeah. They're obviously loading the cast up, which I like. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to need to because the Eternals, is, in, at least in my opinion, has never been a really strong yeah. group to really push a movie. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a, it's a question mark just until we see something. Because yeah. you, can anou- you can announce an A-list cast of like every big name actor in Hollywood from like Dwayne Johnson all the way to Angelina Jolie. Like until I see something, I'm not... 100% sold on it. It's just a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, after that, we they showed some footage uh, from Black Widow. It, uh, according to what I read, it was the same footage they showed uh, from San Diego Comic-Con uh, being Natasha versus Yelena in a in the Budapest apartment. Uh, they showed some new footage of David Harbour as past his prime, a disheveled Red Guardian, but in full costume. Uh, one person I read said it looks very much like the comic. Uh, he sits with Natasha and Yelena and says, quote, family back together again. Uh, there was also a cool shot of what looks to be Taskmaster standing in front of a turret in a turret of a moving tank shooting a bow and arrow. Okay, the Taskmaster does stuff like that, so yeah. I'm not I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, they also had showed off the uh, what her uh, uh, Natasha's 
uh, costume will look like in this film. They, like it was even there on like a figure model dummy mannequin thing. Uh, it's all white, which is very which is very interesting. And I think it's a very interesting kind of like you might be able to read a bit into it until like, okay, it starts like, this is kind of like her origin story and, and maybe how she gets started. It's all white. It's all pure. And then you get to like where she is in the Avengers and in the Iron Man films where it's black and oh boy, some stuff has happened between now and then. Well, the character has had a long history in the comics. Sure. And, and from my guess at this is this is going to be based off of the Marvel Knights mm-hmm. limited series of the black widow. Sure. That happened in the late nineties. Uh, I think it was what Devin Grayson and JG Jones. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this before on the show. I think they're going to borrow heavily from this, especially right. the character of Elena, because I don't want to go spoiler on this, but there is a program mm-hmm. that develops Black Widow's agents. I think this is going to tie into the origin of this, right. and you're going to see how this happens. And for everybody that's going, okay, well, obviously the events of Avengers Endgame, why are they even doing this? I think you're going to see the how they're going to bring Black Widow back to yeah. pro- to the timeline of the current MCU. I'm not going to go spoiler on this because I have my theories and they've touched upon this in the comics lately. Sure. So hit your, your local comic book shops up and you can do some research there. But this is, I think they're going to tie into, but everything I've heard about this movie so far, I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I just hope we get to see a trailer in the public soon. Oh, I imagine soon that did it for the Marvel portion of things. Now, if you're wondering if they said anything about Spider-Man, no, uh, kind of hard for them to make an agreement or anything with Sony when literally like the entire brass was at this thing. Uh, the late uh, Kevin Feige did address it in interviews. He didn't say anything on stage about it, but from all intents and purposes, we're reading for right now, as we sit here recording in August of 2019, the deal is done. The The deal is over. Spider-Man will no longer be in the MCU as of right now. Now that's not to say something can get done down the road or a new deal can be made, but for right now it's over and done with. Okay, I think we're going to start hearing some talk about negotiations start up again. Probably. Very soon. And, I mean, obviously, with D23 going on, they weren't going to go into negotiations with Sony Mm -hmm. over the weekend. No. I know this was a highly debated topic on Twitter Mm -hmm. and Instagram, and, and rightfully so, depending if you're on Team Sony side or Team Marvel side. Yep. In my gut opinion, they're going to come to some resolution about this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm and i fully, after digesting this for a week, I'm fully thinking that Marvel and Sony will come to an agreement, if not a new deal as in Marvel gets a more percentage, right? a new deal as they'll just do the old deal again. Mm-hmm. Because I think that you'll see characters get borrowed. Sure. And I think that that's going to be the, the tying piece to this puzzle, yeah. that you will see... Tom Holland appear in Venom. Right. And that way they will also have the tie-in if they want to try having other characters cross yeah. over, they can do that. I'll say, because the thing we did, we did read in kind of the interim between last week's show and this week's show is that Disney didn't ask for 50% of, of you know co-producing. It was more 30%. So, but again, this is a story that what who said what and when has gone back so many times that it's almost like playing telephone. Yeah, it's 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 getting so tough to decipher, okay, what's what really is getting said and what's not. And I know more information will come out eventually mm-hmm. about this. Especially when they start rolling with the movies, but the only thing we, we can really say is Tom Holland did appear, yeah, at this expo, yep, and he addressed the crowd and said he loves him three thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 
that was like I said, that was the end of the Marvel portion of things. Uh, just some other couple news, uh, movie news from Disney that happened during the panel. Uh, they brought they talked about the Jungle Cruise film, which of course is starring Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, and Emily Blunt. Uh, as Brandon Davis of ComicBook.com put it on Twitter, "quote Well, The Rock literally just rolled into D23 on a giant boat for Jungle Cruise. He's making his way through the crowd for high fives." Uh, as one other person read, I read said during this moment, all that was missing was his intro music from uh, WWE. Because it's The Rock. It's, it's The Rock. It's and, The Rock. And very interesting he showed up for D23. Yeah, so they brought him out. They, blur, they brought Emily Blunt out. Uh, they cut two competing trailers for Jungle Cruise. In one trailer, Emily Blunt is the hero. In the other one... Uh, Dwayne Johnson is the hero. They both hated each other's trailers. Mm. Uh, but the director was out there and said, no, 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 no. This isn't the actual real trailer. The real trailer will be coming out eventually. So that'll be definitely something to look forward to. And as Ken alluded to, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt were on stage uh, together for Pixar to discuss the film Onward that they are in. Uh, Chris said that Tom is like a little brother to him. Uh, Tom then tried to speak but almost couldn't get a word out because everyone was screaming their heads off. Yeah. You know, this was easily the loudest moment of the weekend from what I read. Uh, Tom Holland was able to say, quote, it's been a crazy week, but I want you to know I love you all from the bottom of my heart. I love you 3,000. Yeah, it, it, which touching moment. I mean, what better can you say? It's a touching moment, and like I say, I think the fact he was there, I think, yeah. alludes to a lot more than just him being there and, mm-hmm. and saying goodbye. Yeah. I it, call it a hunch, call it the unofficial yeah. UPH guest. Yeah, I'm saying you will hear something soon, mm-hmm. maybe of, yeah. of, of of talks at least starting again. Yeah, they showed some other stuff. You know, they showed a screenshot from the upcoming Cruella Deville movie. Uh, you know, they showed some other interesting stuff from uh, involving uh, Frozen Two, which comes out very soon. Uh, but then the other interesting thing was uh, they talked about a potential f- for another Simpsons movie because there's been the one Simpsons movie that did very well when it came out back uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the executive producer Al Jean said that, or John said, has teased that quote. They have talked about uh, doing another Simpsons film with Disney as well as ideas for a potential spinoff series of The Simpsons. Uh, close quote. So that kind of closes out things of the big, long, two and a half, almost three hour. Disney Films panel. So overall, Pat, final thoughts. Uh, wild and crazy panel that like y- you know you're you got a crazy packed panel when you're starting off with Star Wars, which everyone figured would close it out. Yeah, D twenty three in total was an experience, mm-hmm. and like I said, we went extra long breaking it down because there was so much yeah. news. Yeah, that when we were originally covering this, we're like. Where do you try cutting something off? Because there was so much for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel had a great showing, especially yeah. with the drama going on with Spider-Man. And, yeah. and like I said, the fact Tom Holland was there, I am looking into it a little more so than not. Sure. I mean, it, it's just how they're going to try explaining that without him in the MCU moving forward is going to be a mess. Yeah. And that's why I say, don't doubt that something gets worked out if it's not just the deal starts again. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Marvel takes a little less. Something's going to happen there, and I truly feel that. Mm-hmm. But not to be outdone, Disney was saying, okay, this event is for the fans. We're giving something for the fans. If you're a Star Wars fan, there was something for you. If you're a Pixar fan, mm-hmm. there was something for you. If you're a Marvel fan, there was something for you. It was just something to really celebrate Disney and, and yeah. what and what Disney is. And like I say, love them or hate them, they really put on a show, and they really gave us a lot to discuss and a lot to digest. Oh, yeah. So moving forward... 
really interested about a lot of these projects, but let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Your final thoughts on D23 Expo. We want to know. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this extended edition of the ODPH Pad, kick us off with those one-shots. Well, i got to talk one big thing that broke in the middle of the Disney uh, Films panel because, well, it traces back a little bit. Earlier, last at some point last week, Bob Odenkirk, of course, who plays Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad and the show Better Call Saul, uh, did an interview where he where somebody asked him about the Breaking Bad movie because we've known that a Breaking Bad movie is in the works or coming. Uh, and he dropped the bombshell that, oh, it's already done. They've already filmed it. Like It's already ready to go. And everyone was like, what? Yeah, because nothing has been said about this. Yeah, nothing's been said about it. We don't, we don't know. We didn't know when it's taking place, who's in it, what's in it. You know, we didn't know anything. Lo and behold, in, in the middle of the Disney Films panel on Saturday, uh, it leaked. And I know this isn't a video podcast, but if it was, you would see me using air quotes. Uh, it leaked, quote unquote, mm. onto Netflix, the, a listing for a film called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And then was promptly taken down like five, ten minutes after, which allowed the entire Internet to go off the deep end and bonkers like, oh, my God, what? Uh, and then, lo and behold, we got an actual trailer uh, for said film. It is on the Netflix YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Uh, in it, you see Skinny Pete, of course, friend of Jesse Pinkman's being interviewed by the, the DEA. Uh trying to find Jesse Pinkman, although they don't name him until about halfway, three quarters of the way through the trailer where he goes, I don't know where he is North, South, East, West. I don't know. He goes, I, but I saw the, the cage they were keeping him in to keep him cooking that entire time. So I'm not going to tell you where he is. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get Jesse Pinkman put back in that cage, you know? So not really much to go off of with this trailer other than it appears Jesse Pinkman. Of course we saw at the end of breaking bad, which spoiler alert, you know, he, he, ran off at the end and was driving off in the car, you know, laughing and, and to what end we don't know. So at least it looks like at this point he is still alive, but the DEA is still looking for him. To tie into Breaking Bad, and if you've never seen the series, mm -hmm. one of the best ever on television. Every uh, season is available on Netflix. Right, and jump on it. Yes. Don't hesitate. It is one of the most well-crafted stories, mm -hmm. and the concept is just absolutely crazy about a terminally ill science teacher who's trying to make money for his family yeah. and spirals into becoming a meth... Meth kingpin. Meth kingpin. I mean, because I'm, I'm re-watching the show. I mean, it starts off, like you say, he's a science teacher. He gets diagnosed with lung cancer, and, you know... His sister-in-law works at a hospital, and and you know, oh, it's the best oncologists in the in the entire country. You know, we'll take you there, we'll get you fixed. That, and they have a whole treatment process they want to put him through, but it's going to cost something. I want to say it was like ninety thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, something absurd like that. And and you know, Walter White, the main character's wife, was ready to do that and just like do whatever they had to do to get the money to do that. Mm. And he's like, no, listen, what you know? Okay, great. You know, if if I make it through and this treatment works. I get we get left with a ton of debt that we got to pay off. 
if it, but I'm still alive. If it doesn't work, then I'm leaving you here with all of the, the, you know, this debt and nothing to show for it. So that's where he comes up with this brilliant idea, you know, brilliant, depending on if you look at it that way of, Oh, I'm going to cook meth to make money and, and try and help my family out. Yeah. It's one of the wilder concepts and to see the progression of Walter White, which Brian Cranston just absolutely plays a such complex role yeah. with ease. Oh and, God, yeah! And just the the dissension of his moral character. I mean, you can see on it, every season, and you can see it right from the outset. I mean, if you know how the show goes, and it's and it's amazing to see looking back on it because I haven't watched a lot of these episodes since before the final season came out. Right, where you've got in season one where he, you know, he's got somebody captured and he's looking, he's deciding if he should kill them or not, and he does the pluses and minuses, the pros and cons. Like, and he's really like for days, if not weeks, he's debating this. And it's funny to me, having seen how the show ends and going, oh, my God, season one, he's not sure about this. Season five, Walter Roy wouldn't have given a you-know-what. Yeah, it's just the progression of the character and, like I said, the dissension into, I, I don't want to say madness because it's not, but just how his moral compass is corrupted mm-hmm. and just the characters involved and just how well it's orchestrated. And by far and away, arguably the best series finale. Yeah. I've ever seen. Yes. There's only one character that they don't tie up that loose end for. Sure. And I don't want to spoil it for sure. anybody that sure. hasn't seen it. So, And even with Better Call Saul, which is a spinoff and it's a prequel, but still ties into what happens. It, the whole Breaking Bad universe has been so, so, so well done. Mm-hmm. That obviously the, they're doing the spinoff movie, which is highly anticipated. Oh, God, yeah. Will it continue that quality? I mean, you uh, got you got to trust the creators on this. The, the show creators, Vince Gilligan and company, are involved. Like it's it, the same crew that worked on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad are have worked on the film. You know, Aaron Paul is involved with the movie in some capacity. Like it, it's going to be wild to see. Yeah, and so, it comes out October 11th of this year. So definitely mark that down on your calendars. Binge uh-huh. watch the show if you haven't seen it uh, already. I would say if you start now. I mean, we're sitting here. You know, the last week in August, you you have time. There's there's enough time. Time. You, you you can get pretty well caught up, yeah. depending on how yeah. you want to get into it. Yeah. It's so well worth it. So, so well worth yes. it. So, instead of one shots, I'm going to just do two more quick segments. Okay. So, not really bullet points like we typically do, because we do have to talk about Powers of X. Mm-hmm. So, we have been talking spoilers, if you're not familiar with the comic series. The X-Men Reloaded and Jonathan Hickman's crazy story uh-huh. unfolds and unfolds so Beautifully. It, beautifully. Like, I, I'm trying to think of how to describe it without going too spoilerific, but I, I think it's I'm like going to have to. peeling the layers back on an onion. Because he's dealing with different timelines, and mm-hmm. we are talking spoilers about this. So the whole issue is in the year 100 timeline, mm-hmm. which is where Nimrod has taken over, yep. and it's the humans and machines are now teaming up against the mutants, and you now are dealing with Apocalypse running what you assume is the mutant force yeah. of protecting mutant kind. Almost days of future past that alike. Yeah, and it's such an interesting take that he does on this because what we find out is the group of characters that we've seen, the one that looked like a mix between Magneto and Havoc, yep. and uh, Wolverine is there, and we see Zorn, which... I'll be honest, I was like, uh, I don't know, because the whole Grant Morrison run, <laughs> I, I have very, very differing feelings about that one. Sure. And then the one that looked like Groot, we now know who they are, mm-hmm. and they are Apocalypse's horsemen. Yep. Which you re- you find out that war is Wolverine, and yep. it is the Wolverine. It's not the, yeah. the, the kid that I thought it was originally. No, it's actually James Howlett himself. 
death is Zorn, mm-hmm. who has a death wish, and you can tell, yeah. and just how absolutely Deadpoolish he is talking throughout this issue, which I I, I have to admit I, I actually started laughing at some of his stuff there. Yeah. Then you see Pestilence, who they refer to as North, and it's a mixture of Emma Frost and Lorna Dane. So. Mm-hmm. So you do understand the Magneto tie-in a little bit because Polaris has been long rumored to be Magneto's, uh, one of his children. Yep. But the Emma Frost thing I thought was a very curveball idea. because originally it's, it's a very left-field Jonathan Hickman thing to do. Right, but it makes sense. But even the, the craziest one I saw was Famine. Mm-hmm. And it's not Groot. Nope. It's, it's Kuroka inhabiting the dead body of Cypher. Yeah. Which, if you don't know who that character is... If you've ever read New Mutants, the original run, a long-standing character that was a fan favorite who was killed off. Mm-hmm. That just an interesting character that, like I say, at that time period, it was really showing the the gravity of being a, a new mutant and and going through Xavier's school. And as the issue progresses, you kind of see Apocalypse is now leading the final this like almost suicide mission, yeah, to go after Nimrod and go into his base. And mm. Nimrod, at this point... He doesn't, like... They know they're coming, but Nimrod just couldn't give any less of a you-know-what. Yeah, like I say, the personality that is in Nimrod, I, I got to imagine, is somebody. Yeah. I don't. I almost want to say at this point is Mr. Sinister. Oh, that'd I, be I, wild. I'm thinking it's something bananas like this, that he's just so full of, his, full of himself, he's not even dealing with the threat. And as you see, the apocalypse force is coming after him. Cardinal, the one that looks like a, a mixture of Nightcrawler and somebody else... Is you know leading the charge and yeah. is, is with Rasputin and that whole group and you're really kind of seeing that there was Zorn and North and they're making the run and it's like a distraction almost and as you see with Cardinal that it's a mix between uh, Rachel Gray and Kurt Wagner okay you know, it's just a wild mix of characters that are composing I mean you're just kind of seeing that they're going after the whole mutant or I'm uh, sorry machine humanity. Right, you know, force that is like converting people, like almost making them like cyborgs. I'll say, yeah, because from what we know in the comics, humanity teamed up with the machines to really take on the mutants and fight the mutants. And and now it appears to us because there's a there's a panel where they're turning a, a baby from a human baby into like part cyborg or something. So now it looks like, okay, hey, yeah, thanks humans for helping us out and getting us to where we want to be. But now we're gonna turn on you. Yeah. So at this stage. Their two forces are going on at the same point. And then you see Wolverine and Apocalypse and Cypher going into Nimrod's base, and Nimrod is expecting them. Meanwhile, the other forces are, you know, getting decimated. Uh-huh. Until Rasputin pulls the craziest wild card out, <laughs> and that is Zorn, who wants to he has a death wish. Yeah. In the worst way. In the worst way possible. And Rasputin is literally telling Nimrod's uh, right hand that I don't care. I'll kill everybody here. And, and Nimrod's right hand is like, no, you won't. You would have done it already. Like the classic thing you see in movies and TV. Like, no, you won't. You would have done it already. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And there's this splash page artwork where you see Zorn's power getting unleashed. And right before it, you see him smiling Yeah, that this is happening. And then that whole area is just wiped out. Mm-hmm. So then the sh- focus goes back to Nimrod is now anticipating uh, Apocalypse and Wolverine. And how weird is that to say? Yeah, no, it's it's very weird. Uh, they're escaping with some information, and he doesn't know why. And this is like the final standoff. So Apocalypse is now sacrificing himself. Yeah, to pr- give Wolverine enough time 
to get away with the information. And what is that information? Uh, it's Nimrod's origins, which, I mean, the wild thing, before we get to the whole what he's getting away with, the wild panel to me was to see Apocalypse, who's no slouch in his own right, very powerful, very strong, uh, was getting his butt kicked. Yeah, well, this goes to show, I mean, the, the gravity of Nimrod being the ultimate sentinel mm-hmm. and just how they adapt and how far they progress with it. That Yeah, he's just getting absolutely thrashed. Uh-huh. And then we find out Wolverine, the master plan was to give the information to who is trapped in a chamber, Yep, Moria McTaggart, mm-hmm. on the ninth life. Yep. And what, what he does is he feeds her almost like a symbiotic way yep. this information, like this like dagger-type chip, into her system so now she knows it. And then Wolverine goes unleashes the claws and kills her by sending that information back into time Mm -hmm. which is absolutely wild yep absolutely bananas that this whole mission the entire issue is just devoted to this action and what it's going to happen because essentially now they have unleashed that information back to the timeline so now it's going to catch up to where house of x is yep so I am fully predicting the next issue of House of X, which we'll be reviewing here next week, is going to be the X-Men taking the fight to the creators of Nimrod mm-hmm. and how messy that's going to get. That's where Cyclops, I thought, was going to get delayed a couple issues, and this might be X-Men 1. No, we're going full into it next issue. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see this. I mean, this issue, Hickman is pulling out no no punches. He's pulling out all the stops. Just how he he's crafting this story. And I did like this issue a little better than I have the previous powers. Sure. Because it was one timeline. Easy read, understandable, straight through. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't jumping around too much. No. So obviously next week is going to be a big week at the comic shops. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got House of X number three, which is uh, the little thi- uh, preview tidbit of it on Marvel.com. says, Superstar writer Jonathan Hickman continues reshaping the X-Men's world with Marvel young gun artist Pepe Larraz, uh, and, and you see the cover of it, which, I mean, it's got the, the classic uh, X-Men lineup that you're used to. I mean, you got Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey. I mean, Angel's there. Uh, looks like some others. They're a little further in the background that it's kind of hard to make them out. But then you've got a giant sentinel head behind them kind of like looming over everything. Yeah, no, it looks absolutely incredible. That's going to be in comic shops this week. I'm jumping ahead of myself because I keep forgetting that they flipped yeah. the week, so I'm, I'm thinking back and forth. But House of X will be in comic shops this week. And the week after. And the week after, too. So, I mean, it's kind of a little crazy how they're doing their timelines, but definitely just get down to your comic shops and pick it up. It's going to be a huge week yeah. in general Yeah. because not only do you have that, mm-hmm. you have the Batman Who Laughs trade paperback is coming out. Which that so gets wilder with every each and every week. Yeah, DC is definitely doing Scott Snyder crafted one of the craziest characters in recent memory coming, yeah. out, coming out of Dark Knight's Metal. And I feel like they're letting him go with like, all right, do whatever you want. Go right. ahead. And that's going to tie into the new Batman Superman series that's uh-huh. coming out as well. Yep. And then Marvel obviously has the big week with House of X. Yeah. They also have Absolute Carnage 2 coming out. Oh, boy. And what I'm going to close the show with talking about, and that's Marvel Comics 1000. Wow. Now, Pad, you're, you're probably asking, how are we at issue 1000? That, that is, yeah. Okay. So here's a little quick history lesson. Okay. August 31st, 1939. Okay. Marvel Comics number one comes out. Yep. If it holds up to, if they released it on time every every month for sure, going sure. up to, it would actually come out, Marvel 1000 would be out this week. Oh, okay. So that's how they did it. I was, I was watching this on Marvel.com, and it was really fascinating, the story about this. Uh, so this is going to be the big Marvel 80th birthday bash. Okay. 
Now, I know that I think they said at certain comic shops they're going to be doing some events, so definitely check out your local comic shop to see if they're doing something for Marvel Comics 1000 coming out. I would imagine a lot are. I don't know if our local ones are, but I'm definitely going to go hit up social media after we're done checking. Okay. The cover for this is Alex Ross painted. Oh, it looks that's worth it alone. It looks incredible. I mean, I mean even if you aren't familiar with the name, you are familiar with his work if well, you're a comic fan. Well, we were talking about Marvel's his series that he he painted. Yeah. Um, for the um, they're going to be doing the podcast on that we talked about last week. No, this one is just a straight up like a, a kid reading a cover, and you yep. see the images come to life, and it's so well done. And this one, according to Marvel.com, 80 creative teams. Holy crap. On this book. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to do this. Like, I would have hated to have been the person like in charge of coordinating all this and, and getting it all together into one book. That would have been a nightmare. I mean, the only, like I said, they said this. I'm not sure exactly how they're dividing up teams. So, but like I said. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But can, it, you, but can you imagine being like the point head of like coordinating 80 different teams and getting it all together? I, I, oh. I tell you what, salute to the editorial team, CB Sobolski and yeah, holy, holy cow. So they're, I don't exactly have a lot of details of what the issue is going to be about, but, I mean, that many creative teams, I'm sure it's just like a couple three-issue you know, pages and such. Either way, Al Ewing, who we know from uh, Immortal Hulk, is kind of the lead writer. He has, like, the most okay. stories involved in this. And it's just kind of like a real crazy trip through time. Okay. Um, And they're going to be tying in different factors of, like, Marvel's history. Sure. So... It's going to be a real trip to see. And, I mean, if you really think about this, looking where Marvel has come and just the creations from Stan Lee, yeah. Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, I mean, the X-Men run of Chris Claremont and John Byrne to, you know, the 70s with John Romita and Frank Miller and uh -huh. Daredevil. And, yeah. and, I mean, just the history of uh, comics, you know, artists have come through. I mean, you look at everybody that went to Image that started at Marvel, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee. I mean, the lineage goes on and on. Mark yeah. Silvestri and just, I mean, all the creators, Brian Michael Bendis and, I mean, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker, you can see their work now, I mean, actually hitting with the Netflix, or I mean, not Netflix, uh, Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Fraction's Hawkeye. Yeah. Brubaker's story was the Winter Soldier story. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to see the, the effects, I mean, that everybody's been doing there. I mean, especially now, I mean, Jonathan Hickman's writing, Jason Aaron, Donnie Cates, Joe Casada. I mean, just his imprint, he's left there, and now C.B. Sobolski running over. Pad, let me ask you this. Sure. Favorite storyline mm -hmm. and favorite Marvel character of all time? Storyline probably has to be uh, Civil War. Okay. Just because to me, like, that kind of was the first instance where the roof got blown off of things. So, like, okay, you've had your, you've had your, your, your universe shattering moments and your, your earth shattering moments of, like, oh, this is going to change the history forever, like, who they're fighting. But to me, that was the first moment of, like, never a thousand years would I have thought Cap and Tony would have fought each other outside of a verbal disagreement. Like, sure, verbal disagreement, yeah, they differ on opinions on stuff. But never in a million years did I ever think they'd come to blows. Yeah, for me, and character. Uh, favorite character, probably Ultimate Spider-Man. Because for me, that is, you know, the whole Ultimate Spider-Man thing coming out when it did... You know, especially around when the uh, Sam Raimi films were coming out. And that was kind of like for me when he was at his, you know, the popularity was at its peak, you know, was peaking. It, and it's still peaking. It's still going high as ever can be. But just that's kind of the thing that really got me into Marvel Comics. Like I knew what they were. I knew the characters and I was very familiar with the stuff. But like that, what really got me into the Marvel stuff fully was the Ultimate Spider-Man run. See, for me, I grew up reading Marvel. I was more Marvel than DC, which is kind of weird if you actually <laughs> talk to me now because I'm so in love with the, the, how well Batman's been done. 
over the past year with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and now Tom King's run. For me, Marvel has always just been a interesting universe. Sure. That I think their timeline has always been well done for the most part. Yeah. And everybody that even though it's like a diverse group has all like a connection, but they're not like um, I don't want to say like uh, like you have like in comparison like Justice League and DC. Yeah, you have the Justice Society was before them, then the Justice League, then sure. Teen Titans, and it's kind of sure. like almost like a family tree, so to speak. Sure. For Marvel, you have the different groups like the the Fantastic Four, which yeah. is very different than the X Men, which sure. is very different than the Avengers. Sure. That all of them kind of just being in the same city, and it, I know it's just been an interesting concept. But it's just like how well everybody kind of knows each other. And it's just like that one universe that everybody is involved in. Mm-hmm. That if, for me growing up, it was like, okay, this is really cool that I can see my different yeah. favorite heroes in, in the same spots and, yeah. and just, you know, the connections. And I for me growing up, like I was always a big Spider-Man guy. Oh, yeah. Always was. Always have been. Always will be. And for me seeing, you know, just he was the everyday hero that wasn't the biggest, wasn't the strongest but yet demonstrated the most heroic qualities. I mean, he's the one that lives and dies by the, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And always find the way to do it. Yeah. Just to see like how he has grown and just to become like this, you know, international icon. Yeah. And just when you talk about superheroes, he's got to be up there in the discussion for being number one. Yeah. And just the different storylines they've done too, over the years too. I mean, they have literally done it, that. I've seen like with the X-Men, they've done a bunch of different crazy ones. Days of future past. They've yeah. done, which I mean always sticks out, and I think is such a influential story, you know, for writers now too, especially with all like time jumps they do, and the Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, that was one that when I was growing up, I, that was like hitting the newsstand. Yeah, and I just remember looking at that cover, going like, "What is this?" and just watching that story progress. Right, absolutely mind blowing. Oh yeah, and just like the different concepts that they've come up with. I mean, like from watching X Men One with uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee hit the stands. Yeah. And seeing the reaction and lines for that and just, like, how much of an impact that was at the time. Like, Marvel has just gone through so many ups and downs and just, like, waves. Like, the, right. like I said, the 90s I'm always a little critical of because, like, Spider-Man, sure, sure. Spider-Man Clone Saga did nothing for me. And I actually get really angry talking about that. But overall, just, like, the storylines that have done it, for, like, to see now with the X-Men coming back into prominence. I mean, when I was really into the comics, they were the number one team book right. going out there, too. And like I said, when Jim Lee was on the artwork for it, I mean, just the benchmark set there. And when they were doing, like, crazy storylines like Executioner's Song, which I still think is one of the best storylines in comics, even though it's absolutely crazy what they tie in with Cable and Strife and, and that whole nonsense. Just to see stuff like that, I think Marvel has just always pre- presented that just when they do big events, they're big events, and they affect mm-hmm. everybody. Not to say DC doesn't. Right, right. But when Marvel does it and they do it well, I think it comes off very good. And I mm-hmm. think Civil War is another thing, too, which was like, wait, you're actually having heroes fight heroes? Yeah. Wild to see. And especially when they've taken chances on Ultimates. Yeah. I mean, when that storyline, when that whole universe came out, that was a wild trip. Oh, so speaking of Ultimates, Ultimate Green Goblin coming to the six one six universe. Yeah, I know uh, they're they're borrowing a lot of characters from there. I mean, even Ultimate seen, Green Goblin is my favorite Green Goblin, like bar none. Yeah, well, it's just you know, for me, it's kind of funny watching how that gravitated and how that like overtook the established yeah Norman Osborn. Yeah, and just to see the impact of the Ultimates universe. I mean, Miles Morales is now you talk about captivating characters. Yeah. He has just grown into a larger-than-life one that mm-hmm. I can't wait till we see a live-action Miles Morales yeah. movie, which we're going to see at some point. That's I, on point. I fully believe it. Yeah. And just to see like how Marvel has taken some shots 
with properties like that and just reinvent the wheel, so to speak, and still have them connect. I mean, the Ultimates is pretty much based or the basis of the current Avengers MCU. Yeah, you I think mean, about it. If you break it down, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to, to certain degrees. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah, yeah. if you read some of the stories, but... I, I'm sorry, folks, I'm going on rambling, but like for me to see this moment and for Marvel to have the 80th birthday and just the impact the characters have had, and now to see where the movies have gone. Yeah. And, I mean, if you honestly asked me way back when, when I was growing up, like you ever imagined the MCU would be this? I no. said, you're, you're absolutely crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I remember when Marvel was having their financial issues and selling all those the, the different rights to different studios. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever think we'd have an MCU. And that's just like so cool to see now. Like as a comic fan, just to see all the characters come together and whatever's going to happen with Spider-Man is going to be whatever happens with Spider-Man. Yeah. I almost wonder if they can flip it. If they have the TV rights um, if it, or if it's just the movie rights. I think it's rights, period. Yeah, I know. I, I can still... Uh, like, like Marvel can still like the comics, but in terms of like anything on film, Sony's got it. Yeah, like I said, I can, I can still you know, hope and that they'll get that straightened out. But, I'm I mean, sure they will. But overall, though, just to see it get into this line, like I said... I mean, my favorite storyline, I, I say, has to be Age of Apocalypse. Okay. I know I got long-winded about that, but Age of Apocalypse was so just mind-bending at the time, and just to see the fresh take on the characters and just see how that impacted moving forward. Just a really cool thing to see. And just for Marvel to see him 80 years now. Yeah. I mean, is truly a remarkable feat. Marvel Comics 1000, I mean, granted, I know the they're just jumping in and making the issue, but still. To see them get to this far in 80 years doing comics, truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Definitely worthwhile checking out. So if you're down at your local comic shops, definitely pick up some Marvel comics this week and read them. As long as we pick up, you know, pick up DC, pick up some comics. Yeah. Definitely support your local comic shops because that is all we have for this week. The music you heard here on the show is that of Crimson Brethren. Crimson Brethren is a new band called Floodlands. They actually just dropped one of their new singles, Lead Astray. Uh, you can find that on their Bandcamp page. You can find that link on our music section on com. You can check out Parlay Points. We've thrown up some new blogs there. I know Brad Guy's been working on some stuff too. There has been so much going on and definitely we have a lot coming up in the next couple months, so stay tuned to the ODPH network for more information on that. Because that's all we have for this week. So for Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 